we're going to dive in here. I don't want to take up too much of our time because uh, what I have to share, I have a little bit of information that I think is so important. And, I, you know, every message has the potential of changing your life if you let the Word change your life. But it's up to you, rather not if you do that. I'm just a messenger. That's all that I am. I'm just a, uh, I was telling the first service, it's kind of goofy. I was thinking about this. You know what my initials are? My initials are GPS. <laughs> Gary Paul Satterly. That's my name. And so I'm like, God, you really have a sense of humor, don't you? And so really as a pastor, as a shepherd, that's what a shepherd does. He just points the sheep and have them go in the direction that he feels is the safest place that they need to be. And as your shepherd, that's all I want to do. Nothing more, nothing less is, is, to, is to guide you and lead you into the truth. And as God gives me the truth, I want us to get on a journey and go there. I know a few weeks ago that we were in a series called The Blessed Life and, um, and how that you receive God's blessings in every area of your life. And I think it was last week we shared uh, walking in God's authority. And, and today, God has really laid on my heart a message uh, that's come birth from um, uh, John Eldridge. I don't know if you know that guy or not, but he wrote a book uh, here at the beginning of the year called Resilient. And he basically built it and wrote it around uh, the pre-pandemic and everything that we've gone through. And I'm going to share this as well before we really dive into the Word because we're going to talk about the importance of rest. And here's the reason why. They've done studies already. And all across the world, they're doing studies of what happened pre-pandemic, okay? And all the things that we went through. And so I'm going to try to say this right. It's post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, PTSD, is that right? Yeah. PTSD. There we go. Post-traumatic stress syndrome. And that's really what us as a world we're going through. And whether or not if you admit it or not, there are little signs that people have to tell us that people are going through that. And, and the big sign is stress. Stress in people's lives. And, and they did a study, and I think I shared this a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if I shared it this service, but I'm going to share it again. John, he's got a podcast, and, and, um, and he was sharing on how that uh, pre-pandemic, that all the uh, airlines, all of them put together, American Airlines, United Airlines, uh, Southwest Air, all of them, all of you, everyone you can remember or, or know, uh, every one of them, uh, before the pandemic, only 10 custom, customers were disgruntled, okay? Basically, where they'd have to actually land the plane and have to have the customers arrested, 10, that was it. It sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But, that, but according to 2021, they redid uh, this study, and do you know there were 550 customers that were disgruntled, irate, where they actually had to take the plane in midair, turn it around, and go land it and have those uh, customers arrested because of their irate attitudes. And since the beginning of this year, they did this study, and like six months in, it was like, it's six months in, 350 so far, just this year. Folks, we have a problem. We really do. When it comes to stress, when it comes to anxiety and worry, and we don't even realize it because never in the history of mankind were we as a world demanded to told what we had to do. You know, you, you put a mask on, okay? You only do this to criminals. 
Think about it for a moment. That, that criminals, people are going to rob you, but we had to put those on. And, and my brother here had a lung transplant, and they wear that, and thank God for that. But yet, when you do that, we, we have to learn how to smile with our eyes. It's hard to do that in it. But, but there's cases you got to do it. you got to wear it. I understand that. But yet, the entire world went nuts. It got divisive and, 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 and arguing over this and that. And, and we went through the worst uh, presidential race and election ever. People getting mad at one another. I mean, people are shooting one another. People, it's crazy. Let me tell you something. And, and I really believe that it's because uh, the people did not understand how to rest. And I, I believe that our spiritual tanks were empty before we even went into the pandemic. It really was. And we were on half empty already. And now that we went through it, we were completely now depleted. And so now we're walking on empty, just trying to make it through. And every little thing irritates you. You know, your husbands, you know, ladies, you, you, you argue probably a lot more. You know, we, you know it is constantly or, or, or there's more divorces than ever. Why? Because people are stressed out. And so I think it's important that we go back to understanding one of the greatest principles that God has given his people, you and I, on how that we can rest. Now, how many of you would love to be able to rest? As Pat was sharing, we're stressed. Maybe you have anxiety. You're re- instead of you, you're ready to kill your kids, you know, it's like, I, I had all I could take. I can't take anymore. And you're calling your husband and say, you better get home now. Somebody's not going to make it, you know, or, or, or maybe you're the same home dad and you're, and you're calling your wife, you better go home, whatever. But we're all under an extreme amount of stress. So let's take a look this morning, the plan that God has, and he implemented it from the very beginning. Now, again, it's the same principle as tithing and giving, but it flips around. It's flipped, but I'm going to show you. It's so powerful. So if you're here and you're stressed out, and you're worried about every little thing, just maybe that you're there in that post-traumatic stress syndrome as well, not knowing why you're there, but God's going to show us and the answer to it, okay? Now, let's go ahead and go to this scripture. This is where God was creating the world, the universe, and everything. And, and so this is where it starts right here. Now, watch what he says. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work. And that's important. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment. Which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, when I read that, it blew me away at first. I don't know if you caught what I just caught from that, but here we have the creator of the universe, an omnipotent God, an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an omnipresent God, every present, everywhere we go, a God who does not sleep or slumber. Why did he need to rest? I can't, there's nothing I can think of but one thing. Now, remember, this is the seventh day. What did God create on the sixth day? He created man. So could it be possible? How many parents do I, we have here? Okay, let's go. How many parents we got? All right. 
Now, how many of you have children, or maybe some of you got little children? Right now, back here, you got little babies. Okay, let me ask this question. Maybe yours has already grown. Maybe you have done this, but you're just doing it now. How many of you parents have to lay down with your child just to get them to go to sleep and rest? Come on. I had to do it all the time with my son, Caleb, just to get him to go to sleep and rest. Could it be possible that God is wanting man to lie down and rest? That's why God created a day of rest on the seventh day. And if it was important for God to rest, how much more is important for us to rest? So God wants us to, to, to begin to rest in him. And it's like a, like a parent lying down with his child. Our God, our Father wants to lie down with you and help you rest. Amen. And so now let's keep going. Now that we look, that's the only thing I come up with. I, that's as best I got. But I believe that's what God is wanting to do. That was his intention here in Psalms 95 verses 7 and 11. But now watch this. God has implemented a plan, an action plan for rest, for God's people to rest. But, but, but what happens when God's people don't obey? If God says, this is how you're going to rest. If you don't obey, you're not going to rest, right? So now let's listen. This. this is the children of Israel. Psalms 95, verses 7 and 11. For he is our God, and we are his people. Uh, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In other words, don't be disobedient. As in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Now, these were the this was the 40 years of wilderness that the children of Israel were going through. And they were going through this because they were being disobedient. They weren't listening to what God told them to do. Okay, now watch. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. Let's keep going. For 40 years... I was grieved with that generation. In other words, their disobedience, not keeping the Sabbath, not, not, not doing what he told him to do. You're not keeping the Sabbath. And said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Did you see that? So number one, so here we have in Genesis chapter two, God says he rested on the seventh day and it was important for him to rest and he created that day for man to rest. But we have here in, in Psalms 95, we just read that the people rebelled and didn't want to go into that rest and they couldn't rest for 40 years. Now, let me ask this question again. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here, you might be a little stressed and you're, you're going through all this anxiety. Okay, now with that in mind, let's go ahead and go on to Hebrews here where he sums it all up. This is the New Testament now. We just read in the Old Testament. The, the, by the way, how many of y'all know that the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments? Y'all know that? One, keep the Sabbath holy. Make sure. Why is it? Because God wants us to rest. He created that day for us to rest. Now, with that in mind, now let's keep reading here. Hebrews 4, verses 4 through 12. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day. This is Genesis chapter two. We just read that, okay? In this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, and again in this place, now this is Psalms 95. They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those whom it was first 
preached did not enter because of disobedience. They said, we are not going to rest. We're not going to do what God's telling us to do. Let's keep reading. And again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, if you don't disobey, watch, for if Joshua had given them rest, then, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, did you just catch that? This is the New Testament. So basically what this is saying, there's still a day of rest called the Sabbath for us to enter into the presence of God. That's why we're here this morning. We are celebrating our Lord and Savior. We're keeping this day holy. You set aside this time to enter into this house and saying, God, I am going to rest today. So I, whatever you brought in here this morning, we're going to have to change some things and the way that we think. So we're going to talk about resting one day a week for God. Now, before I dive into that, I want to say, let's don't get all legalistic about it. Because what do you do with people who have to work on a Sunday? What happens there? Well, there's a lot of people who have to work on Sundays. How many of you, maybe some of you, you here have to work on a Sunday? And you got to rotate a lot. Where's Renee at? Renee, she's, she does, has to go through that as well. And, but praise God, there she is back here. She's like, pray to God, that helps me get off Sundays so I can come to church. Well, but here's the thing. And so when you work on Sundays, what do you do? You have to take another day. Let that be your day of rest. Let that be your Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, my day today, this is my work day. Whether you want to agree with that or not, this is my work day. This is not my Sabbath day. I've just preached a message a while ago. I get up this morning at five o'clock in the morning and I race through the message. I'm like studying and, and making sure that we're going to go this direction. And then this afternoon, typically, I may have to go to the hospital. I may have to go visit somebody. I may have a, an activity. We may have a, a newcomer's dinner, whatever. But Sundays is typically a work day for pastors. And so I have to designate another day which is going to have to be my Sabbath, where I can stop and pause and rest in the Lord. And that's usually tomorrow. Now, John Eldridge, the guy that just did all that studies, he did, a, he did this and he wrote the book of Resilient. And I'm going to just show you here. Now, you can do with it what you want to do. It's kind of weird and odd because we're not used to it. But he's wrote and he's got an app where you can take pauses. Where I set it up at nine o'clock in the morning, I take a pause. It, 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 my, my phone will come up and say, oh, time to pause. And then I'll hit a one-minute pause, a two-minute, three-minute, four, whatever, four different pauses. Cool sap ever. But it's called pause, and you want to select the one that says resilient, okay? Because he, he created this. And it's just to stop us and let us pause and meditate on the Lord. And then I've got one set for 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I pause two times a day. So let me just play it for you real quick. I'll do a one-minute just to let you hear how it sounds. It, it, it's going to sound weird because we're not used to this. Because we're not used to pausing and listening to what God wants to tell us. And it's just John saying that God loves you, unload, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he says, okay, that's enough. I'm done. Now listen, it's cool. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. Hmm. Just close your eyes. I give myself to you. Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you, God. 
I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I need more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. That's good. That's enough for now. That's the coolest thing since sliced bread, isn't it? Just stop and pause and be filled with the Lord. That's what God is saying. That's what the seventh day is about, is filling yourself with the Lord. And, and I'm telling you, when you do this, stress and anxiety, worry is going to go right back out the window. So let's talk about this one day a week. Now, and what, what really truly is a Sabbath? And by the way, if you want to download that, do it. If it's for you, it's okay. If not, don't worry about it. But John, if you're watching, you can send my check to 11. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's done a marvelous job. And do, do, but you do whatever works for you. Tomorrow to this afternoon at four o'clock, I'm going to do it. I'm a, there's 10-minute ones. There's all, they're so cool. But just download that thing. It will keep you on track. It will make you pause and meditate on God. And he's talking. He's got this really, you hear how he talks. It's kind of, it's like, dude, you're wording me out. But, you know, he, he's got this soft and kind voice. But anyway, but what's the Sabbath? The Sabbath is taking one day a week and spending time with God. Nothing more and nothing less. And this is what God was saying. He stopped an entire day, called it the seventh day, the day of rest, the Sabbath day, and he created that for you and I to stop what we're doing and rest. But how many are really doing it? Are we really doing it? Um, do you live with stress? Are you living with anxiety? Are you worried all the time? Are you living fear? Or are you resting in God totally, completely trusting that God has everything under control because he has to be in control. If he's not in control, he's not going to be, he won't be in control at all. So he's either in control, he's not in control. So here's some things that I want to talk to you about this morning. If we're going to really learn how to rest in God, then there's some things that really we got to change in our life. And as I was studying this this week, I learned that the three things that needs to change are really critical in order to help us rest in the Lord. Because I think we got a misunderstanding about these things I'm about to show you. Okay, are you ready? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down, okay? If you're watching online, I want you to take these, write, take notes right now, okay? So if you're not taking notes, I still want you to write this down. Here we go. So here we go. Number one, number one, we need to change the way we think about work. Think about that. We spend... Six days a week, I mean, given everything we've got, planning and preparing and working, and our entire life revolves around work, doesn't it? And so here's what I want us to understand. You'll never be able to appreciate the gift of rest until you understand the gift of work. I'm going to say that again because I want you to catch it. You will never be able to appreciate the gift of rest. And where does that gift of rest come from? It comes from God. Until we understand the gift of work. Now, that sounds like an ugly, dirty word, doesn't it? Work. Do you know God created work as a blessing and not a curse? 
Let me show it to you here. Before it was ever cursed, God, now what? Work is a gift from God. Adam worked before it was ever cursed. Let me show it to you in the scripture now. Let's go. In Genesis 2, verses 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God put him there to work this ground. Work is a blessing. It's not a curse. We have to understand that. Now, if it was a curse, why would God, a perfect, omnipotent, all-powerful God, all-knowing God, unmistakable God, can never make mistakes, why did he work? He worked because work is a good thing. Watch, Genesis 2, verses 15. We just read that one. Genesis 2, verses 3. Thank you. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So we see here that God worked and God rested. But the beautiful thing about when God worked, he liked what he made. He liked it. It was a good thing. Let me show it to you. In Genesis 1, verses 31, then God saw everything that he made. And what happened? And indeed, it was very good. And here's the thing about God. If we were created in God's image, God wants us to feel like him. God wants us to think like him. So in other words, God wants us to feel fulfilled as well. God wants us to feel like that we've achieved something. God wants us to feel like that we've conquered something every time we work. Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever did something and you worked something at the house and you accomplished it and you stood back and you go, "Woo! look what I did. This is awesome. Come on, you ladies, you clean the whole house up and you're like, this looks good. And then an army comes in and destroys it again. (laughs) Right? But for a moment, you looked at the fruit of your labor and you saw it and you said, man, this is good. Work, I'm telling you, it's a blessing from God. And he created it so that we can look at what we've done and be encouraged by that. You know, if you, if you trim the bushes, mow the grass, you, man, you get it all done and you walk in, you smell that fresh cut grass and you're like, man, look at the yard. Look at that. And I know some of you guys, you got that zero turn and you want to get those baseball tracks going the right way, right? You don't, you don't want to get it worth swerving. You don't let people mow your grass that can't, that can't go in a straight line, right? Am I correct on that? You got to have those, uh, what do they call them, baseball stra- straps. And, then, and you ladies are like, my, my husband's lost his ever-loving mind. But anyway. But you feel fulfilled. You feel like you've accomplished something, right? Don't you feel good? But what makes work bad? What make a work bad? Let me show you what. The curse makes work harder and unenjoyable. In other words, when you're not obeying what God told you to do and you go to work, you're not going to enjoy it. If you go to work and say, work is bad, work is awful, I can't stand work. I hate work. By the way, how many of you ever went to work? And come home and you, you just hated it. You had a worst day of your life. Come on, you had a bad day at work. Be honest. We've all had one of those days. Let me encourage you, okay? Now, it took me like five minutes to get everybody real back on this in the first service, but we'll take our, I'll figure it out. We'll just throw it out here. I'm going to encourage you, if you ever had a bad day at work, what I want you to do is I want you to go to CVS today. Or I want you to go to Walmart, go in the pharmacy over there, and I want you to go looking for a rectal thermometer, That's as bad as it's going to get, okay? It's not going to get any worse than that. But find a rectal thermometer. It's got to be made by Q-tips, okay? Q-tips, rectal thermometer by Q-tips. And what I want you to do is open it up. Okay, mamas, (laughs) open it up and look at the instructions in there, and you will find in fine print every rectal thermometer has been personally tested. 
So the next time you complain about your job, just thank God you don't work in quality assurance for Q-tip. Yeah, you're going to come home, and your spouse is going to look at you. How was your day at work? I only tested 45 today. Yesterday was 65. All right, now get your composure. (laughs) My point is this. God has gifted all of us to do something for the glory of God. Right? So if you knock yourself out if you want to go work for Q-tip. Whatever you want to do. But, you know, God has gifted us. But whatever we do, even Mr. Q-tip guy, listen to Scripture, Colossians 3, verses 17. And whatever you do, do in the word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Every time. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got to get a drink of water on that one. All right. Okay. Are y'all back now? Y'all have your moment? Okay. <laughs> now, here's, my, here's, here's what I want to get at, okay? Have you ever heard this statement? They're doing the work of the Lord. You ever heard that statement? That's not supposed to be funny. She, she, she'll, be, she'll be laughing the rest of the afternoon. Come on, here, real back. Okay. Have you ever heard that statement? They're in the work of the Lord. Mr. Q-tip guy's in the work of the Lord. But anyway, have you ever heard that statement? Usually it's about people working in the ministry, isn't it? Oh, Pastor Greg, he's in the work of the Lord, doing God's work there. Or the youth pastor's music, or Pastor they're in the work of the Lord, Pastor Greg. They're in the work of the Lord, right? We, we, we associate that with people in the ministry. But do you know people with regular occupations, they're in the work of the Lord? This is what you need to understand. You don't have to be in ministry for God to use you. Everything you do, you do it for the glory of God. You know, firemen, they're in the work of the Lord. James Ritchie, my my nephew, the fire chief of Scottsburg here in Indiana, the best fire chief ever, ever, ever in Scottsburg, ever. The greatest fire chief ever. I'm just saying that because he's my nephew, but he is, he's for real. But here's the thing, you know he's in the work of the Lord. Countless times he've had to go on the scene where car crashes were and people had lost a loved one. And he doesn't ever have to mention the name of Jesus, just his presence with God's spirit living inside of him, walking up to that wreck and ministering those people and, you know, loving them and, and speaking some, some words of comfort over their life. Or maybe a police officer's in the work of the Lord, having to go in a home. Daniel, you, you know, you're in the work of the Lord, man. You see all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. You've, you've encountered death. You've encountered those. You saw it too. You're in the work of the Lord because God can use you at that moment, at that time. Policemen, you know, contractors are in the work of the Lord. They're in the work of the Lord. And by the way, if we're all called to be preachers, we would never have a house built. We'd never get our plumbing fixed. We'd never get our electricity work, right? If everybody was in the ministry 
And, you know, I'm going to just brag on Anthony Shuler. That's your cousin, Greg. I mean, he came and put a roof on my house. And, uh, and he, he said, oh, I got the color. It's just like a black base. And, and so he comes out here. Great guy. Amazing. I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. And so he comes, and, and, and he lets these guys. He puts all the shingles out there. He didn't open it up. He's the one selected the color. And so he didn't open it up. And so he's, I got to run into town. I said, well, I'm going to go in my office and work a while. So all these guys puts it on, man. I mean, they're fast. He gets back into town. I come back out of the house. I'm hearing banging and blah, 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 blah. You know how it sounds on putting a roof on. And I, I go, I see him standing there looking, scratching his chin. And, and I go out there and turn around and look. It's a gray roof. And I'm like trying to be a Christian. You know what you do? It's like you're in your head. You're trying to force yourself to like what's wrong. I'm trying to say, okay, uh, we, maybe we can make this work. Um, um, um. And I hated it. It was awful. But I'm trying my best as a Christian brother in the Lord so he wouldn't have to pay for this. And so, um, and, and, and that's all it took. My wife come home and our grandsons come home and they come home and they're like, you know, you got a gray roof. And that's all I had to take. And my neighbors, oh, you got a gray roof? I'm like, yeah, I got a gray roof. And so, but what he does, he goes home and he tells his wife, he said, honey, I've been doing roofs for 35 years now, man. And, and I made the biggest mistake of my life today. She said, well, honey, what did you do? He said, well, I put a roof on this guy's house today and, and I put the wrong color on. He goes, well, honey, it's not your fault. He picked the color out. It's his fault. <laughs> no, he didn't, honey. I did. And so... But you know what he did? He called me that evening. He said, we're going to be there first thing in the morning. We're going we're to get that roof replaced on me. And I thought, Lord, bless Anthony for doing this. And I gave him more work to do. And you know what? In our neighborhood, he got three more houses to do. Why? Because he, he enjoyed the work of the Lord. He really did. He was enjoying what he did. He, wasn't, he didn't try to fight it. He didn't try to, try to hide it. it was, no, he accepted the responsibility. I accept. I was willing to let it fly for th- six months. I really was. Make all the neighbors angry, but I was willing to do it, to help the guy. But listen, everything we do, it's all for the glory of God. It's all how you look at it. Let me put it this way. If you honor God with your job, you will learn to rest. When you go and wake up and say, God, thank you for my job. Thank you that, God, I got a job working for Q-Tip. Hallelujah. (laughs) And I'm helping babies. I'm helping babies that when they get colds and sicknesses, that making sure their temperatures are right. And Jesus, no, I'm just saying it. But, well, let me say it this way. The best rest you're ever going to get is when you had to work yourself hard to, to death. That's the best rest you're ever going to have in a day, right? How many of you ever worked at VBS here? Oh, my gosh. Our feet's sore. Our legs are sore. Our bodies are sore. They're screaming all week long. And these kids, you know, and we're running around. How many, am I chasing my line chase? I mean, we're just flat dog tired. It's like, oh my gosh, we got to do another night. But you know what? Come Friday night, that is the most tired you're ever going to feel. But it's a good tired. Look what God did. Look how God used me. God rewards you for that. And so it's all how you look at it. And, 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 and fall festivals as well, man. We get out here and we give it everything we've got. We go home dog tired, but we're like, yes, man. We changed lives because the most happiest you'll ever be is when it's about other people. Amen. Amen. So, so work is not a curse. It's a blessing from God. Even God worked. God wouldn't work if it was a curse. But he worked, and he, and, he, and he had us work. It's a good thing. And so we have to change the way we look about work. And here's the second one. We need to change the way that we think about time, too. There's some things about time that we need to understand 
because um, we're always rushing around, you know? How many of you ever rushing around? You're trying, to, you're trying to make time. You're trying to change time. You're trying to do all this stuff to time, right? But there's some things about time that you need to understand. And I want this to get sinking in your heart this morning. And let me go and let me show you three things about time that we need to understand. Number one, you can't make time. You cannot make time. God makes time, and we can't change it either. Um, now, has anyone ever asked you this question? Because they ask me this all the time. They'll come up to me and they'll say, say, say something like this. Can you make time for me this week? Have you ever had anybody ask you that? Can you make time? Well, let me give you the answer to that. No. I can't make time. But what I have to do, I have to take time from something else and take away from that time and give that my time. And a lot of times, it's my family. And I've learned over the years, and I made bad mistakes early on in the ministry. All my time was dedicated to everybody else. And the ministry and my family suffered for that. But thanks be to God, God set me free on that. And now I make time for my family. And, and, and because, because if, if, if someone said, can you make time for me? I'm going to have to take that time from somewhere. Either my wife, my son, our family, or whatever, to make time for that. And even this week, as I was preparing for this message, my phone rang and I had to make a decision with that. What am I going to do? Am I going to make time for that? But, but, and so, but, but anyway, you can't make time. Number one, you can't make it. And the second thing about time is this, is you can't save it either. You can't save time. You can't make time. You can't save time. Uh, time is kind of like money, isn't it? The only thing you can do with time is manage it. And you got to manage it well, because once it's gone, it's gone. But unlike money, money, once it's gone, you can make more money. But once time's gone, you cannot make any more time. It is gone forever, forever, gone. And, and there's one thing I've also learned about time is every time I try to save time, I lose time. You ever done that? I'm like, I'm in Walmart. I'm in Walmart looking for the shortest line. So the cashiers are just real short. Come on. You ever done it? And all I got, I got my card. And I'm like, oh, that's a long one. Oh, that's a long one. Oh, that's a long one. And I'm wasting all this time looking for the shortest line. Had I just gotten the line the first time, I would have probably already been checked out. I've wasted time trying to save time. Come on. How about, how about the interstate? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I'm on the interstate. I'm in the middle lane, and it's dead stopped. And the car's on the left lane. They're just flying. And they're like waving at you. And you're like, and so you turn on your turn signal. I said, I'm getting in that lane. That's the fast lane. And I finally get in. Someone lets me in. And then it stops and the middle lane takes off. <laughs> I always waste time trying to save time. Okay, you can't save time. It's impossible. You can't save it. And even with my son, when he comes in for the weekend and I have to make sure I'm going to clear my time, baby, he's getting all my time. And if I get distracted, and, and, and I say, I've got to take it away from him and, and get off over here into a distraction, then I lose that time with my son and I'll never get it back ever again. So listen to me. And this is the reason why we tell people, if you got loved ones, you need to take time to spend time with them while you got them. Because once they're gone, they're gone. And time, you can't save it and you can't make it. So you can't, you can't make time, you can't save time. But here's the only thing you could do with time. You spend it. You can spend time all that you want. But my point is this as a church this morning. How are you spending your time? Are you, are you spending it foolishly? Or are you spending it wisely? 
And you see, God gives us this choice. God gave you a choice this morning, what you are going to do with your time. And God said, if you honor the Sabbath, I will, I, I, I will, I will let you rest. And you made a choice this morning to say, I'm choosing to make sure I'm going to keep the Sabbath holy. I'm going to use my time to come and rest in the Lord. Amen. And God's going to bless you for that this morning. But while you're here, you have a choice what to do with your time. We're either going to use it wisely or we're going to use it foolishly. Now, again, this week, I had to make a choice what I was going to do with my time. I was studying for this message, and my phone's ringing. And I study at 9 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the morning on Thursday afternoons. And then I study on Fridays from 9 to 4. And that's my study time. I don't negotiate that. And people, if you call or text, I, I will look at my phone. And make sure that it's not an emergency. It will stay next to me, so I will see it. But, but if it's not that important, I'm not going to give you my time. That's God's time, okay? I can't do that. But if it's important, if someone's in trouble, someone's passing away, someone's in a car accident, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to go for that, okay? Just letting you all know that. So, but, but, but we have a choice with our time, what we do with our time. Now, here's something that's really sad with our society and the believers today. And this is where people miss it right here. We believe that rest is a poor investment of our time. And we see it by keeping the Sabbath holy. When God specifically said, as one of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath holy. Keep it, keep it. Honor the Sabbath. Why? Not because I want you to stop and not have fun out there. I want you to keep it holy because I want you to stay healthy. I want you to stay rested. I want you to stay filled up. So when you leave the house of God, then you could go race to the lake and have fun. Man, we used to do it all the time. We'd come to the house of God, and man, we'd go out to the lake and have the best time ever on Sunday afternoon. Isn't it cool? You got a church, you don't have Sunday night services. You can enjoy the rest of the afternoon and go rest in the Lord and have fun with your family. But people think that rest is the poor investment of their time. When God says, look, don't be disobedient. Don't end up like the children of Israel and say, look, I've got better things to do. God gives us a day of rest, whether it be today, whether it be Monday, whether it be Tuesday. You have to take a day of rest and pause and listen to God. And I tell you what, when you do that, work's going to get a whole lot funner for you. Your life is going to become a lot less stressful for you, and you're going to walk around with the joy of the Lord in your life. Why? Because you're obeying what God tells you to do. It's just like tithing. A lot of times we could think that we could, that we could do a lot more on 100% of our income, which is not true, that we could do a lot more with 100% of our income curse, because if you don't do what God's telling you to do, it's cursed already. We've heard that through our Blessed Life series. But, but we have learned, as a body of Christ, that we can survive and do better on 90% of our income when we give 10% to the Lord. The same way with our, with our work week. We can get a whole lot more accomplished on six days a week by honoring God on one day than we can seven days a week. How many of you ever invited someone to church and you heard this statement, I'm too busy? You know why? They're cursed. They're not honoring the Sabbath. They're not honoring that one day that God says, nah, uh, 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 you got to give me one day because that's the day you need to rest. If you don't give me that day, you will never enter into my rest. You got to take the day of rest. And as your pastor, I love you enough to tell you, you have 
to take a day of rest. Because if not, I'm going to get a phone call one day, and you're going to be sitting there with your head going like this up against the wall. I can't take it anymore. Why? Because you're depleted. Trust me, I've almost been there myself. By not resting, by not honoring what this Sabbath is all about, we have to stop and take a pause. That's why I love this little app. It forces me to stop, listen, and unload, de-stress, and go, okay, I'm ready to go again. It's powerful. It's powerful. I encourage you to get that. So God wants us to rest. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, he gave me this this week. Christ has set us free to live a life of free, okay? A free life. He didn't, he didn't want us to be bound. And he has a plan. And that plan is, he says, look, I, I've, I'm, I've given you an example. Rest. Rest, rest, rest. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put harness of slavery on you. Don't negotiate it. Say, uh, this is the day I'm going to rest. And I'm not going to no- negotiate with it. I'm going to stay true to that. And guess what? You will be rested. God will give you rest. So first thing is, is we have to change the way we think about our work. Work is not a curse. It is a blessing from God. And every time that you work, you ought to go, wow, look what I accomplished today. And you know, when you're working for another company, what you're going to do is you're going to say, wow, I get to help this company get what they want. Because you know what I've learned? You can have anything in life you want when you've learned how to help enough other people get what they want. I know that principle. I did that working for Pizza when I was just 15 years old. I helped them get what they wanted. And guess what? I got what I wanted. I got promotion after promotion after promotion. And I got to stop putting my arm up the toilet and unclogging it. And I got to be the director of training for all these managers years later. And then I would tell these other little guys, look, if you want my job, you got to learn how to go unclog those toilets, son. I don't want to do that. Well, you'll never have my job. Then just be quiet. But anyway, so... You got to change. I'm helping people. Well, see, I don't work anymore, church. People ask me all the time, what do you do for a living? I help people. That's my job. I get to help people. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? What do you mean you get to help people? I get to help people with their problems. I get to encourage them and counsel them. I get to help marriages be stronger. I get to help people develop relationships with a God that loves them with everything that, that, that he has. He just loves them. I get to help people. And that's so much more fun than I'm going to work. Work sounds like an ugly, dirty word, doesn't it? But, but I get to help people. Change the way you think about work, and you'll start enjoying it. And the second thing is we need to change the way that we think about time. Remember, you can't, cha- you can't change it. You, can't, you, 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 you can only spend it, okay? You can't save it, and you can't make it. You, only, you can only spend it. So here's the third thing about resting. Come on, Pastor David and team. Whole team, come on up. I'm getting a little lonely up here. Y'all still thinking about that story I told you a while ago, aren't you? (laughs) You haven't even focused on one thing I said this morning. You're still thinking about that. I'm going to go buy one of those this afternoon. Well, if it's not there, I'm sorry, but that's just what I heard. (laughs) You're going to bring it in here and show me one of you. I guarantee it. Look, I found it right there. All right. Here's the third one, okay? How many of you want to rest? You really want to rest. And here's what really comes from. And I love this. We've got to change the way that we think about God. Either God's in control or he's not. We've got to change the way that we think about rest. See, I'm just going to be truthful with you because it's a little hard, but I'm going to put it up here. Put this up here. If you have a hard time resting, it's because you just don't trust God. 
You're trusting everything else. It's called obedience. You know, I shared this last week. I think it was and operated in, in, in our purpose or a, 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 a priority, walking in our priority, discovering our priority in the Lord. Remember that? And, and, and two things, if you really want to walk in God's priority and his authority, it's, it comes from obedience and repentance. Obedience and repentance. If God's people, if we just repent and be obedient, man, we'll have all the rest we want. Our job will look good every day. God will have his blessings on us. And this was what what was wrong with the children of Israel. They were not being obedient and they were not repenting. God said, look, look, children, I told you, do you want to rest? You have to take one day off and rest. And they thought resting was a bad idea, was a bad investment of their time. And because of that, they wandered for 40 years in discouragement, and depression, and no rest, when all they had to do is just take that day off and do what God said. You see, God gives us a great plan, and it's a wonderful plan, but here's what we say. We say, well, the world just can't survive without me, so I can't take off. I can't, there's, the world can't do this without me. I'm the, I'm the top dog, man. If something happens to me, this place is going to go haywire. I got, some, I got some news for you this morning. People have died that had great responsibilities and life went on and still going on. So don't think that you're all that because I'm not all that either. If I die, God's got another pastor waiting in line in Jesus' name. Amen. But I have to be obedient while I'm here. I have to do what God tells me to do now. I have to honor what God tells me to do. And I want to live a stress-free life. And, and there's one thing we do not negotiate, never have, is, is we keep the Sabbath holy. We do that. We've always done that ever since we've been married. Other than we will take off and when we go on vacation from time to time, we can't find a church or whatever, but we will, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray and we'll, we'll have our devotion times or whatever. But very rare will we ever we always, it's like, it's like I, I, I don't have, I forgot to put my underwear on or something. I know it sounds gross, but seriously, not going to church, that's how I feel. Something terribly went wrong. Something terribly went wrong. But you know why? Because I need rest. I cherish that rest. And I know my rest comes from God. It comes from God. Either God's in control or he's not in control, okay? Now remember what happened to the children of Israel by not obeying the Sabbath, by not taking one day. Let's read it again. Psalms 95 verses 10 and 11. For 40 years, how sad, I was grieved with that generation, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Could it be possible this morning that some of us aren't resting, not because we don't want to, because we've really never been taught what the Word of God says about resting, I love finding truths in God's word. And then I go, oh, now I know why my life is a little chaotic. I'm not doing this. And when I discovered, I'm like, that's a simple little fix. I just need to honor God, make sure he's always going to be number one, and take a day and rest in the Lord. And then, now, one thing I've learned about the Jewish calendar is, do you know uh, the Sabbath starts for the Jewish uh, uh, culture on the evening before the day of the Sabbath? Did you know that? At sundown. I thought about that. Why is that? Because what do you do when the sun goes down? 
You sleep. You sleep. You go to rest. You don't think when you're sleeping. Okay? Um, I was thinking about that. This is the first service. And, and my wife, she, 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 she doesn't have a problem sleeping at all. She does. She, she, she knows how to rest. Her husband doesn't. I, I irritate the fire out of her. I'm telling on myself. This has nothing. She is great. Hard worker does, I mean, amazing woman of God. I don't sleep for whatever reason. I think about the dumbest things. One night I was sitting there looking at her. She's sleeping away. And I'm like, I got all puffied about it. And God says, why are you awake? I said, I just can't sleep. He said, look at your wife. Look at, she's just sleeping like a baby. Why is she sleeping like that? I said, because she's got a husband do everything for her. No. No. I'm looking. I take care of the bills. I, I just do my manly thing. And, uh, and, and, and but she, I'm telling she works hard, though. I mean, amazing worker. She takes everything. So uh, please trust me. She's, she, but I do do a lot. And the reason why I say that is because she knows that anything she wants, this little brain will stay up all night long, figure out a way to get her what she wants. Am I lying? She can have anything she wants. She knows that. She's spoiled. But I looked at God and I said, God, I looked at, I said, God, I don't have a wife that takes care of me like that, her husband. And he said, excuse me? I said, I got a husband take care of me like that. He goes, who am I? I'm the bridegroom, and I'm going to come after my bride one day. I am your husband. That sounds like kind of weird, doesn't it? Okay. But he's coming after me. And he said this to me. He said, you know, I can take care of you better than you could ever dream of taking care of her. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, but, but here's the thing. I have a problem is your pastor's trusting, too. I, I wake up in the middle of the night just doing this, thinking about the dumbest things. Um, I've been worried about, I'm going to just tell myself, I was worrying about, I, I'm doing some, my basement, I'm, I'm finishing the ceiling, doing mud work, okay? And, and we had put, you know, the difference between mesh tape, some of you carpenters here, there's a difference between mesh tape and paper tape when you mud, Okay. And I, and I realized and found this out that if you use mesh tape on any walls that gives, it will make hairline cracks. Mesh tape isn't good for that. Mesh tape is good for solid places that walls are not going to move. So they're like, whoo, and you're going to go home looking for cracks now, aren't you? But anyway, and I, I, I thought, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see. And I went in my bathroom. Sure enough, there's a hairline cracks in my basement. And so I already put mesh tape all the way down the entire length of our basement on the ceiling. And I, go, I woke up nervous. I'm like, I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, I got this dude telling me, you got to put tape paper on it. And the more, she wakes up at 3.30 in the morning and says, what are you doing? I said, I put the wrong tape on the ceiling down there and I can't sleep. <laughs> but, you know, we do the dumbest things. But my point is this. Is we've got to learn to trust God with the big ones, man. And the stupid stuff, forget about that. But I have to learn to trust God. If I'm sitting worrying that God's not going to bless the church, i got to stop that. God will because he's the one in control, not me. So if you really want to enter into God's rest, we've got to change the way that we think about work. 
It's not a curse, but it's a blessing. We've got to change the way we think about time. We've got one opportunity with our time, and once we use it, it is gone. Choose what's best for your time. Today you chose to come to the house of God on the Sabbath, and so what are you going to do about it? We've got to change the way we think about God. God has got to be in control of your life this morning. You've got to let it go in Jesus' name and say, God, I surrender to you. I give you it all this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching a little bit more exciting than what you're acting right now. I'm just saying that. I'm... <laughs> I get excited. I'm excited enough for all of us, so don't worry about it. You're still thinking about the Q-tip thermometer. Okay, I get that. I messed you up. I understand that. So you're, you're okay. But what am I saying? You're here. This is the Sabbath, the day of rest. Enter in and let our Abba Father come over and lie down with you today and give you the rest that you need. Amen. Amen. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your promises, God. God, I don't know what you're going to do in the next few moments, but God, there are some people here, they are stressed out. They're just to the end of the road. And God, they need to be refreshed. And I pray today that God, they're already here. God, they're honoring your Sabbath, but God, let us take it a step further. God, let us unload. Let us get close to you this morning, God. And let us let you lie down with us this morning, God on this seventh day, and let us rest, God. Let's take away, God, the worry, the stress, the anxiety, God, all of the, the depression, God, God, all of the bondages, God, all of the weaknesses, God, all of the, the, the problems that we face, God, even the sicknesses, God, and the diseases, God, take it away, God. Honor their obedience this morning, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.